Rewind! Hello, this is Cliff from the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast. In about a week's time, we'll have a brand new episode out where we are going to discuss 12 of Dario Argento's horror and giallo movies. Why only 12, I hear you ask? Why Why only 12? You can't. Well, that's because we've already discussed the other 12 on previous Devil Times 5 episodes, as you're about to hear, because I remember them like they were just yesterday. And we're going to kick things off with what Dario Argento did next, Jello-wise, after Deep Red, starting with 1982's Tenebrae. Filthy, slimy, I've read all your books, Mr. Neal. The book deals with a murder committed with an old-fashioned open razor, right? This girl, too, was killed with a razor, and your book's pages stuffed into her mouth. Can I ask you something? If someone is killed with a Smith & Wesson revolver, do you go and interview the president of Smith & Wesson? Peter, Peter, you can't let me down now. We're within two days of making a deal. Please, stay just until Friday. My life is in danger. There's no deal in the world worth risking my life for. Not anxiety or fear, but freedom. You wrote those words, page 46. Freedom to strike again. Listen, don't hang up. We have to talk. You told me how, Peter Neal. You and me together. We've just begun. A famous crime writer arrives in Rome on a promotional tour only to find that that someone's killing people in ways that seem to relate to the murders in his latest novel. So we're starting with my absolute favourite Jalo of all time ever. Um, I think Tenebrae's beautiful to look at. Really well plotted. Nice high body count. What do you think? I really like it. I think it's um, maybe the second Jalo that I ever watched and the first time I was aware that Jalo was a thing. Um, and I really enjoyed it. You said at the end of last month's show, you said you'd pick Tenebrae even though it's not one you like. Really, did I? You did say that, yeah. Yeah. I rewatched it and I was like, I really like it. I can't believe I said I hated Tenebrae. I mean, I can. I can believe that I said it because they do kind of merge into one big blob of of murder. This is sort of the less... (laughs) I think of the ones I've watched this month, this is sort of the least rapey one. Um, Maybe that was why it was (laughs) the most incredible, considering how lecherous this film is. I mean, uh, <laughs> what, what, the, the, when you say it's the least rapey one, like in one of the opening scenes, uh, the guy who comes out the fence, who's like just rape man, he's just waiting. Oh, like, yeah. What is he? What is he doing behind the fence, covered in dirt <laughs> from head to toe, just waiting for a woman to walk past so that he can smash through the fence and yeah. try to rape her? Like, yeah. what is his backstory? What is that character's motivation? Well, what, what is he doing there? Because, I mean, it's a very well-plotted film that doesn't have many any loose ends apart from him. He's a witness to the first thing. <laughs> and we never hear of him Exactly. Again. What the fuck? Um, yeah, I, I wish I'd like Tenebrae as much as I used to. Because I, I used to really rate it because it is so energetic and stylish and so, like, gory. Uh, and the climax is still fantastic. Yeah. Like, so... Mm so over the top but it takes a really long time getting there mm. and there's a lot of nonsense um i thought it really lagged in the middle i just had that weird feeling like sometimes you watch it and you just see uncle dario chuckling to himself about how clever he is <laughs> and i just sometimes it just puts you off you know when you get that vision in your head of him sort of behind the camera like the bit where they discover the body uh because of the lawnmower 
uh, kind mm-hmm. of mowing, mowing through the lawn, merrily tearing up all the crime scene <laughs> photos that have been scattered on there. <laughs> Fuck those. And then it only stops when it literally hits the dead body. <laughs> but you know that he sat there chuckling, going, oh, oh, oh on my POV. <laughs> and it's like, come on. Like, I admit he is a great director when he wants to be, but there are times where he indulges himself way too much. And I think Tenebrae is when you can start seeing that. Well, the, the famous tracking shot over the roof of the house, that is really unnecessary. It's just tiles. It? There's like a whole minute of just tiles. Yeah. It's like, look, it's very clever that you got the camera up there, you know, like throwing a shoe over the roof or whatever. But it's like, come on, you're showing off. It's a minute of tiles. No one wants to watch that. Um, but I mean, the more I watch it, the more I realise how beautiful it looks, how well designed it is. Like, the pastels, because everyone obviously like you know thinks Suspiria, Inferno, all these bright reds and blues and that. Uh, it's the subtle kind of all the, the kind of almost neony pinks and yellows and mm. like it's not just the clothes, but like the the sets as well. There's a bit where uh, that first girl, the shoplifter, she's wearing a pale pink um, shirt, a uh, skirt, and she walks past a pale pink wardrobe, and then she opens the curtains, and there's a woman in a pale pink top outside it's just oh, it's so beautiful and all the white as well everything's so white and then like there's increasing amounts of bright red as it, it goes further towards the end and mm. oh, it's so lovely it's so well designed feast for the eyes it looks nice uh yeah i um i like this one a lot more than other jello films because i still You're not a fan are you i still can't get myself into this genre i don't know why as i've there's some that really do stand out for me and i really do enjoy them and this one i think is one of the better ones and it's got it's a mystery that I wanted to keep on mm. getting into because I, I wanted to see how it was all going to turn out because it was one that kept me quite surprised throughout. Um, there was a bit of stow over substance at points, like the whole woman getting a hand chopped off and just spraying the blood all over the white wall. <laughs> it's, so good. It's, so it's a good, great, though. it's a great scene, but I'm just like, did she have to turn around to do that to get it in a perfect <laughs> line across the wall? <laughs> But um, yeah, it's one that I enjoy a lot more than than other Jallos. Good red herrings as well. You, you really don't mm. know who's because I mean, there's so many characters there. Oh, it's definitely them, definitely them, and then basically, as soon as you think it's definitely them, they get killed. Mm. <laughs> you're like, fuck! I thought I had it. I thought I had it. Emily. Um, yeah, the the mystery's quite good. Though to be fair, that oh, is it them? Are they the baddie thing? That that is that's a standard trope for sort of murder mysteries wherever. Um, yeah, but know. they don't all do it as well as in Tenebrae, I don't think. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I like I like Tenebrae. I, I like the, the use of colour. It is very, very stylish and it's it's quite cool, etc. Plot's mostly good. Um, but I would much rather re-watch Deep Red or Four Flies on Grey Velvet. I've no idea why, but there's just there's something about those films that I just find mm. much, much more compelling. So Tenebrae is, is a good film. And yeah, the final scene is incredible. There's some brilliant bits in it, but there's something a little bit kind of cold about it, which I suppose you could say about Argento in general, but it's just, it's lacking something for me. So yeah, it was all right though. I mean, you know. I don't, I don't want to attribute anything to anyone who, you know, because I don't know, I wasn't there, but I find that the films that he made when he was married to Daria Nicolodi uh, and she was co-writing uh, and having more of a creative input uh, are much less cold mm. than the films that he made by himself. And I do wonder if that's something to do with it. Like Deep Red is is like by a mile my favourite Jallo, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's his best film by a long way as well. It just has that 
uh, genuine humanity to it that's mm. totally lacking in Tenebrae. Like, the characters are, like, cartoonish in, in Tenebrae. Um, mm-hmm. Like, sometimes it's it's quite amusing, but I'm not sure how much of that is intentional. Like, mm. the, the two uh, the police... Detective. But yeah, it's the police so characters funny. are mm. fucking hell. It's funny in a, in a believable way rather than a slapstick way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as we'll get on to certainly with one of the other films in, in this episode, I, I, the one thing that, that I do always enjoy human-wise in Jallo is the cops and their quirks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Every cop has got to have a, a quirk of some disruption, something mm. that is sort of funny in a surreal way. Um, but we'll... We'll come to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, are you aware that Argento says that it's set about five years in the future? No. <laughs> yes, I read about that. Yeah. How are we meant to? How are we meant to know that? Yeah, oh what relevance God. does it have? Where are the futuristic things? <laughs> I don't know. I'm saying five years in the future, oh isn't it? God. Didn't he specifically say it was kind of a dystopian future as well? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What? Okay, right. So that explains Rape Man behind the fence, then. Because there's always, like, mucky rapists in apocalyptic films. Mm. And fences. Mm. So maybe that's it. Maybe he started making a dystopian future film and then gave up after that scene. It's really odd, isn't it? Maybe he was just taking the piss when he said it, but... He might have been, yeah, I wondered about that. So like, ha, ha, I am the great Argento, I can say anything. (laughs) (laughs) If I was him, I would have pushed it a little bit further, to be honest. (laughs) This film is mostly about how much I like ducks. (laughs) <laughs> oh well, that's that's New York Ripper, surely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, see, she went there with the ducks. Argento just, you know, that's he true. And that's why the... that's why Fulci is a better director than Argento. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Hot take. Well, I, I really like the line where um, Peter Neal says. I've tried to figure it out, but I have this hunch that something's missing in a tiny piece of the jigsaw. Someone who should be dead is alive, or someone who should be alive is already dead. That just, like, is all shallow, isn't it? Yeah. It's not the Argento shallow. That's a perfect line. Yeah. What happens in an Argento shallow? This. There we go. <laughs> Summed up. Yeah. Um, his first shallow is the bird with the crystal plumage. Um, I, I like it. I don't know. I'll tell you what. With watching these films, I've found that I've liked most of them-ish if I've watched them in the afternoon and if I've watched them after midnight after a bottle and a half of wine I've fucking loved them does that not apply to most films? I'm not sure it does (laughs) if I'm a bit sleepy and drunk the film works better (laughs) no I think that is it I think particularly Jallo especially 70s Jallo I think do work better as kind of late night screenings Yeah, very late night because they're so weird sometimes I think I think a lot of them, uh, like I said, are quite sweaty. So that sort of late summer night kind of feeling, I, I, I get that they're, they're very uh, aided by by a certain atmosphere. Um, mm. I think, but Bird with the Crystal Plumage, um, it's fine. Like it, it's not one of the best, but it does have a few really really amazing scenes. Like the, that first murder is just. So well yeah, shot. It's a fantastic set yeah. piece. That yeah. it's, it's, it's almost a shame that uh, he cheats by covering up the big clue. Mm. It'd be nice if it'd be mm. nice if you were able to see that. Yeah, but it's hidden behind a curtain. So when we see what happened at the end, yeah, it's like ah, ah I wish we could have figured it out for ourselves. Yeah, um, my favourite scene is this one. Mrs. Johnson. 
Mrs. Johnson. Mrs. Johnson. Excuse me. Love that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't checked to see if he's been in anything else. I'm going to watch everything he's ever been in, that guy. Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> I was wondering if it was like that character in the League of Gentlemen that can, whenever she's acting, can only speak <laughs> the line. Just... Got any orange juice? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm wondering if um, that guy just turns up in every, in every film he's in, he has to say that because that's all he can say. <laughs> Oh, we're watching Pam Dave now. <laughs> Can you play it again? I just want to hear it again. Mrs. Johnson. Mrs. Johnson. Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> there we lost CJ. See, I lost out because I watched the Italian version with subtitles. Oh, no. I don't don't recall anything quite as... No, I don't think I've ever heard that either. It'd be really funny if it was was turned exactly the same in Italian. Uh, (laughs) I should have worked, I should have Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in Rome, I was really excited about going to the zoo and, like, taking a photo of the exact angle where the, the, Mm. the, yeah, the big clue bird... Is in its cage, but they cheated it. They cheated it in the film. You can't see the you can't see the building from the bird cages. They cheated. Uh, well, that's Argento all over, isn't it? Just clever angles. Yeah, <laughs> it is all about angles. Yeah. Um, Four flies on grey velvet. I had never liked. Well, I kind of liked it, but I fucking love it now. Oh, I, this is one I hadn't seen before, and it's fucking brilliant. I watched it yesterday. Yeah. So weird. So tense. Of all the films we're talking about, it's probably the one that's most horror-like, like really mm. creepy. It's properly surreal as well. It's, yeah, and the, the music is wonderful. Mm. The end credits music, there's a lot of um, sort of bands I can think of whose entire sound is that kind of <laughs> spooky descending chords type thing, like Broadcast, for example. I mean, that, that end the okay. end song could be one of theirs. And they were the ones that did the music for um, Barbarian Sound Studio. So mm. yeah. obviously acknowledging the um, the debt there. Um, but yeah, I, I loved Four Flies. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, those, those like when you the guy in the mask first appears, it's like really spooky and... Yeah. Or, or, or woman, of course, we don't know yeah, at this point. <laughs> and then there's that, that weird dream sequence, the Middle Eastern dream sequence where like it keeps cutting just before the guy gets head chopped off in the execution. Yeah. It's the same thing again, but slightly different several times, which is kind of how recurring dreams tend to go. And I love that weird opening sequence where you've got um, the rehearse, the band mm. are rehearsing, and then it keeps cutting to the shot of the heart that was beating. Yeah. That's just mm. it's mental. Love it. Yeah. Sarah, have you seen this one? I have, and yet I can't really remember. I think um, those two and is it Cat and Nine Tails have all yeah. sort of merged together in my head. I don't like Cat and Nine Tails. I didn't bother rewatching it for this one. Because I just just drag. I find it's too it's too long. Cat and Nine Tails. Four Flies on Great Velvet. I I struggle with. Um, I think I struggle with the tone a little bit because the cops are so comedic in it. Do you mean the gay private detective? Yeah, yeah. And, and the, I mean that's a terrible gag. It's weird how maybe not weird even, but it's ahead of its time perhaps. How Argento used gay characters throughout the seventies um, in quite a non-judgmental way. But it's, I felt like it was played for laughs a little bit in Four Flies. In 
bird with crystal plumage, perhaps, with the antiques shop mm. on But But I, I don't know. I think he's, the, the gay people in this are just normal people with normal jobs. And, like, if compared to how gay people were uh, portrayed in British films of the era, they all, like, wore wow. pink scarves and floppy suits and worked in the entertainment industry and stuff. Um, it does seem very progressive, I think. There's certainly elements of it that are um, progressive. And also it's kind of you're not meant to sympathise with, because in both movies it's the um, the male character who's kind of like, oh my God, it's a homosexual gentleman. And you, you, you're meant to go, well, you know, why is he being an idiot? This guy, you know, this, this is, yeah. stop being a judgmental prick, basically. And also, I think the um, the detective in Four Flies reminded me of um, the um, air controller guy in Airplane. <laughs> he's ridiculous and flamboyant, but he's really enjoying himself. And then there's that bit where he goes, oh, you heterosexuals. Yeah. <laughs> and Leon's getting larger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just rewatched um, Inferno the other day, and I think I've, I think I now prefer it to Suspiria. I think it is a much more enjoyable really? film. Yeah, it, and I think that what? what's, what's happened is I realised <laughs> on this rewatch was the reason why I've never really got into it that much before. It feels like the whole first reel is missing. At the start, you just get thrown into this conversation between Rose and the bookseller. Um, and then she goes to that hotel and goes swimming about and she's looking for something and you don't know who she is, you don't know why she's doing it. I mean, it's mesmerising to watch, but it's like you've missed a whole sort of 20, 25 minutes of setup. And I think that can throw a lot of people with Inferno. But and especially when it then cuts to Rome and then you've got this other guy that you've not met yet and then you don't see Rose again for another 25 minutes. It just really feels like you've been thrown in at the deep end and I, I think once you know that's what's happening, I think it's all right. I, think I like it a lot. It's beautiful to look at as well. That implies that after 25 minutes it starts making sense. <laughs> Whereas Inferno really doesn't. No, I'm not saying it starts making sense. I'm saying it, it, it would make more sense... It would make more sense if there was 25 minutes of, of stuff, of introductory stuff at the start, which there isn't. I'm not sure you could really... I mean, what, the, 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 bit, the bit where it really... like I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I do like Inferno, but the bit where it totally loses me in terms of, okay, this is just not going to make any sense, is the, the hot dog oh. seller. Oh, man. It's like the best part really? of the movie. So good. <laughs> so out of that field. I love it. So Argento. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's so... So good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's sort of it. the bad Argento. <laughs> I, th- I think that that hot dog scene for me is the you, you can see Dracula 3D yeah. emerging from that scene. Um, he turns into a praying mantis. Giant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I take it the rest of you prefer Suspiria then. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. No takers for Mother of Tears. Uh, no. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, should we move on to 1987's opera? Mm. Yeah, so he, I think this is where he started to go wrong. I think it's a good film. It's, I think I think most of what he did subsequently is good, but there's so much bad stuff about opera. I'm with the general consensus that opera is like the last one that's even watchable, and then after that, just garbage. Um, but opera is only watchable because of how beautiful it is. Like I think. I don't know if he was working with a higher budget or just better technology, um, but even though it's not as obviously stylish and like careful as some of the stuff that he was doing before, there's just an opulence to it that's that's incredible. Like it looks amazing. Some of the camera work where he's got 
like cranes and all sorts of stuff going on. It's just amazing. Um, it's just such a load of nonsense, yeah. and it and it and it builds to a nonsense peak when it ends with like the sound of music. Uh, yeah. it's, it's like, <laughs> It's it's terrible, and it's also possibly the most blindingly obvious Jallo villain, like ever. Like, there's never any doubt who done it. No one even seems to be trying to find out who done it anyway. <laughs> the police are absolutely useless. At that. Yeah, there's there's, a, there's at least a couple of the murders where it's just like, oh yeah, someone's died. No, I'm just going to yeah, go out. Let's now. just ha- hmm. yeah. They, they, the police's attitude to these murders are we better like have someone just hang around, make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, and then it does. Stole who does yeah. Uncle? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember those old uh, VHS tapes you used to get um, that were called like This Is Horror and things like that? That were sort of American-made documentaries about the current state of mm. horror, where they just interview people, sort of like basically what DVD extras are nowadays, but like a video compilation. Uh, and one of them had a clip from Opera on it, and it was the clip where Betty has the needles under her eyes. It's like the first knife murder, where it's just like. <gasps> And it was so intense. And I, I remember watching that clip long before opera was available in the UK and just thinking, fuck, this looks like the most amazing movie ever made. This just looks like, ah, it's going to be incredible. And I think I'll always carry with me the disappointment of when I saw the whole film and it just did not live up to like just the intensity of that, that first kill. Um, Although, Luke, you said it's your favourite, yeah? Yeah, out of all the jellos. I, I wow. don't know. I, it just was it was the one that i enjoyed the most out of all of them um it the the mystery is very obvious but though that practical effect of the one that you're talking about where you see the knife in the mm. mouth is incredible that mm. i think the rock soundtrack is very naff yeah. that like really lets it down yeah. even when they're when you say about the whole ending with them running it's just it takes you completely out of the film when those things happen um there's one really weird camera trick which I wasn't sure if it was if it was CGI or not. There's that one when they're first she's knitting up the costume and the camera goes out and there's like this really weird blurring where it looks like from Terminator. It looks mm-hmm. like the goo from Terminator is in the room. And yeah, I don't know if they did some weird CGI at one point, but it's a goo done it. There's one <laughs> well, Argento definitely didn't really know what to do with CGI when it started because, like in the Stendhal syndrome, there's a bit where Asia Argento <laughs> swallows a pill and then there's CGI of the pill tumbling down her throat. I love how you so... say he didn't know what to do with CGI when it when he started Dracula 3D, and he was still doing a fucking praying mantis that looked like it was from an Atari <laughs> ST game. You know, Dracula was... 3D is good though. <laughs> oh, it's not. Annoyingly, the dub of this on uh, is awful. It doesn't have any atmosphere no. to it. There's points where you can hear they've just recorded in a really echoey room. And I don't know why someone, when they were doing the sound recording, didn't just think, let's change this up a little bit. Let's That's really weird. Add things to the sound. Yeah, they all sound like they're they're doing a presentation about sales figures or something. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> but it does contain. I mean, I I quite like this film for the set pieces rather than like the film as a whole because it is very very disjointed yeah. and yeah, it's, it's not it's not up there with his best. But it does look um, look beautiful. But there's the the brilliant trope that you get in Italian exploitation cinema of a child dubbed by an adult woman. Oh, yes. And I think um, one of my favourite lines I've heard in a film this month was the little girl who helps the, the heroine to escape from her apartment when the stabby man's in there. Her and her mum having a bit of an argument. The mum who's got an exaggerated kind of East End is, what the fuck are you looking at? Kind of accent. Um, the little girl who for some reason is, is quite posh goes, um, just, just before the scene cuts away from them, 
the um, the mother was like, how can you do that? You're disgusting. And the little girl goes, you're disgusting. And you're always naked. <laughs> <laughs> Not referenced again. Not referenced before or after that. But I just, I love that as a non-secretary. So um, it, yeah. it wins, on, wins on that score, I guess. <laughs> um, the scene with uh, Daria Nicolodi in Betty's apartment and the, the cop who might not, might not be the cop, who might be the killer. Um, that's a brilliant scene. Yeah, the peephole bullet is, is really great. Yeah. But I just always bugged by the end where the killer is um, set on fire, burns to death. And then it's how many weeks before they find out it wasn't a real human body? It was a plastic <laughs> mannequin? It's, yeah, I think it's four weeks later, it yeah. says. Yeah. That's how do you not so fucking autopsy. I guess they were just they were just cutting it up for ages, being like, "Where are the organs? Yeah. I just don't get it. This this man's a genius. He's hidden his own. It's not known to science. A man without yeah. any organs. Well, I mean, even just walking in the room, you'd know it wasn't burning flesh. Yeah, it's yeah. Burning plastic. plastic. Yeah. Unless you like it's... wraps mince meat around it or something. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe mannequin was full of mints. Hey, we've, we've all tried it, Bryony. Well, you know, I've been doing a lot of various crafts, so it could be out there. Would you put mints inside a mannequin to make it smell like a burning body? Mm. <laughs> yes. I could just see that on the cover of, like, Take a Break magazine. Basically, you take a load of mints meat and then you just sort of, like, pat it onto the, the mannequin so you've okay. got something to actually burn. Make sure uh-huh. you've got a lot of fat content in your mints so it, it flames. <laughs> and then on the inside, you just shove some, like, dog food or something. And then, you know, maybe a bit of hair. Okay. Wow. Have you ever heard that Goldie Looking Chain song? Um, song for Kelly? No. I made a corned beef Kelly Osborne <laughs> and I fucked it when I was watching porn. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's nice. And then in 1990, Romero paired up again with Dario Argento as he had with Dawn of the Dead, this time to make Two Evil Eyes, a two-part anthology of Edgar Allan Poe stories. Argento did The Black Cat, with which is good, and the pendulum thrown in, which is good, yes. Mm. While Romero covered the lesser-known story, The Facts in the Case of Mr. Valdemar, which is about a plot to stiff an elderly man out of his fortune. Which is not good. <laughs> which is not good. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I think it's... Bad. I it more of as a comedy. It's very silly. It's like a sort yeah. of heightened kind of comic book daftness to it. The Argento one is is less like that. The Argento one is more serious and more kind of like artfully made. And I think they kind of complement mm. each other nicely in a way. So similar in tone to Monkey Shines, the way it just looks so cheap and yeah, TV like. Really TV and then like you get yeah. Argento's story, which is like it's a proper film with lots yeah. of different locations and effects and different timelines and flashbacks and stuff like that and good actors and, and yeah, yeah good, well lit. good effects yeah. and the, the effects in Romero's one is pretty shit it's like did he just have like Less 10% money, of the yeah, budget so and Argento had 90% or what or, it really or shows is him up, didn't Romero it? Yeah. just not very good by this point uh, Tom Atkins shows up that's yeah that's one plus but still that's true we need a shouty cop who are you gonna call yeah, <laughs> most of the reviews seem to prefer the Romero version, but I don't know if that's just sort of blind love for the films he makes. The second half is so much better than the first half. I don't know how you would argue mm. that it wasn't really. It seems like it's better yeah. in almost every every way. You shouldn't ever make a film with someone like a two parter if that person makes something that's a hundred times better than yeah. You. Romero's, like you said, feels just like a TV drama and then Argento's is a million times better and actually feels like a proper film yeah so his next one 1993's Trauma 
Um, who watched that? Yeah, I did. Yes. Do um, you like it? No, I didn't. I do. I blocked it out of my brain. It was terrible. Um, it's not were terrible. you traumatised by it? Yeah, well... It... <laughs> I tell you what, the, the, the trailer for it, the trailer says, Dario Argento's most maddening thriller. And I don't think they realise what... Is the trailer man from the West Country? <laughs> well, that, whoever it is, I don't think they understand what the word maddening means. <laughs> Be familiar, yes. There's lots of stabbings. Anyway, how, how can we advertise this film? Uh, let's just say it's really annoying. <laughs> well, truth in advertising. Yeah. Um, but no, I like it. It's got a great sort of uh, deep red style reveal of the killer. Um, the, the, the weapon, the electric noose is really cool. It's just really nothingy. It's kind of I, I like the kind of witchy stuff in it. It kind of done could have done with a bit more of that. Um, oh, the seance and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, there's some there's some nice beheadings. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of you watched Sleepless, did you? No. Nope. I, I did when it came out. Mm. Um, it's the one with the dwarf, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I was again just disappointed because I'd heard people who'd seen it at festivals saying that it was a return to form. You know, finally Argento was back on top, and he really is not on top on in Sleepless. No, I mean if you've sort of abandoned all hope of his films looking as amazing as they used to by that point, it's still a good shallow. <sighs> it's still it's still got a, a mental story. Mm. The killer is killing people in the order of animals in a in a nursery rhyme, which means at one point he has to go out and find a woman whose nickname is Rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) But just the way you describe it there, does it not feel like you're describing a parody, but just one one that's not that funny? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good point. (laughs) Like it's it's like trauma is is sort of a competent homage to Dario Argento by Dario Argento. And sort of every film after that is like a less competent homage to Dario Argento by Dario Argento. Mm. I mean, the gore is amazing in Sleepless by Dejo Sivaletti. It's incredible. This bit where, the, where a woman gets stabbed in the face with a court anglais is so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> mashing up her mouth. Again, uh, this sounds like a parody. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true, very true. Oh, and I've got a new least favourite uh, Argento movie, apart from this TV movie, Do You Like Hitchcock? The Card Player is... <laughs> has anyone seen The Card Player? Nope. Didn't even go nope. there. It's about a killer who he abducts women and then uh, will let them go if the police win a game of video poker with him. But <laughs> like, I think I think maybe maybe there's a thriller to be made about a killer playing poker with the police but video that sounds like the sort of thing that they would try to do in about 1985 yeah the graphics are about as good but i mean video this video poker it's it's literally just pressing a button and seeing what random cards come up it's not there's no psychological element to this so you don't you don't even get the drama of actual cards it's literally just you're all dead now yeah and then, like, they get this expert poker player in, and he does, he just presses the button and happens to get a good round come up. And they go, yeah, you're really good at this. You're really good at this. <laughs> it's insane. Wow. I, I used to play um, video poker on the Atari ST, but it was the strip poker game. 
where you oh, got yeah. like a pixelated page three girl would come up um, and she would take an item of clothing off if you played the game for about six hours straight and got very, <laughs> very lucky. So by the time she did appear, if the pixels weren't blurry enough, your eyesight would be too fucked to really see what was going on anyway. But um, yeah, that's my experience with video poker. And it was probably far more exciting than the card player. Yeah. Poker? I hardly know her. <laughs> hey. Hey. And Luke, did you, um, you said you were going to watch Jalo this afternoon. Did you watch that? The oh, yes, film? I did. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's good. It's another one I really like. It's appalling. <laughs> it's good. Why is Bo Selector? It's Bo Selector. <laughs> what is that makeup? What the fuck is that? <laughs> I, was, I saw it when it gets Adrian Brody properly up close. And... I mean, I've no idea why he's cast as both roles, both the hero and the villain. It's got no narrative <laughs> purpose. Um, oh shit, who was it originally going to be? Ray Liotta was going to be the cop. <laughs> and, Vincent Gall- <laughs> and Vincent Gallo was going to be Jallo. That would have been good. And Alzi Argento was going to be... Uh, the Emmanuel Senior character, who looks like Rachel Johnson, Boris Johnson's sister, mm-hmm. um, which is annoying. I like it. I, I think that's really nasty detail, the way that he like cuts women's lips off so they can't kiss anyone anymore. Kiss, kiss, no more. It feels too much like Argento had seen Saw and Hostel at the time. Oh, absolutely. It's it, he'd yeah. seen, he'd thought, seen the money that they were making, yeah. Yeah, and just thought, I'll give that a go. But it's just, there's some really hilarious like dialogue in this when they find out that it's not the sister, he's like, oh, it's not your sister. And she, like, looks so happy about <laughs> yeah. it, but there's still a dead woman at the fountain. Like, yeah. I just... I feel like Jallo's one of those films, like, I don't know if you guys have all watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. The, the TV yeah. show. Well, like, when, when they encounter people from the real world, you know, it, the joke is always just how fucked up they are, because you kind of forget when you watch the show a lot that, that, that all these characters are deeply fucked up, but then they'll, like, go and visit a lawyer or something, and you're like, the, the lawyer is just horrified by everything they do, and, mm. and and that's funny. And it's kind of like with Jallo and the latter Day Argento films, you realise just how fucked up it is, how much horror fans apologise for Dario Argento, and how much, you know, we'll say, oh, he's a genius. No, he really is a genius. And then if you imagine sitting and watching Jallo with a normal person <laughs> and trying to explain, oh, this guy's a genius. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Probably call the police or the, the I don't know, like, crazy. Oh, and then you try and explain why he's a genius and all you can come up with was red and green. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> colours. <laughs> Look, she was wearing a pink dress and she was wearing a pink skirt. <laughs> and there, there's a lot of eyes and, and there, there's lizards and they're, they're kind of a motif. <laughs> Look, he's got the same actor playing two roles. It's all about duality. Oh, no, 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 I never said that. Life. I never said that because there is no reason. No, he's doing a satire. There is no reason for that. No no I mean, surely the whole the two roles thing is just proof that Adrian Brody will just do anything, right? Oh, God, he'll do anything. Yeah, he'll, he'll work with paedophiles and he'll do a film like this. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one with a very bad reputation Dario Argento's Dracula 3D. Spoiler alert, I don't think Thomas Kretschmann's going to win his Who's the Best Dracula battle. Oh, my God. Is all I can say. I mean, he's not the most charismatic. I don't even remember him. We watched Dracula 3D together and you don't remember Dracula being in it. I don't, no. That's how bland I remember writhing, heaving bosoms. Oh, there's a lot of lot of bosoms, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's got that in its favour. The back of the Blu-ray, one of the things it promises, that this film promises, are fleshy, writhing bosoms. 
Well, yeah, there's plenty of those. Is um Rutger Hauer in this one, or am I getting yeah. a different? Yeah, yeah, he's in this Hauer one. Yeah. He's he's um and Elsin and uh, Asia Argento gets her tits out for her dad again. Asia, oh fucking hell, yeah. That's all well, I yeah, remember. Yeah, so fleshy writhing bosoms, but obviously Dario has to have some of them being his daughter Asia, which is. <laughs> I know they're professional filmmakers and, and that's fine and everything, but that is his daughter. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Dario, if you're listening, you know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Stop it, Buddy, Dario. stop it. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Cliff did start singing Get Your Tits Out for Your Dad when we were watching this. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I remember Dracula? Well, I'll tell you what, his, his big entrance is he walks through a door into a room that already has people in it. So it's like, Hello, oh, oh, he's the man, the fit man. Oh, yeah. No, I remember him now. Oh, he's you didn't fit. mention that when we were watching it, that you thought he was the fit no, man. No, I mean, I kept that to myself. He was he was an attractive man. I mean, he was very forgettable, but at the time I was like, oh, he's, he's nice. Might be a vote. He might stand a chance of beating Christopher Lee. Who knows? I mean, probably not. But, I mean, he was fine. But apparently incredibly forgettable. That's my type. I really like Tanya in it, the new character that they've added, because all she's there to do is have fleshy, writhing bosoms and, and, um, and pout a lot. Yeah. Very attractive. Yeah, well, she, she has some she has some strops and um, one of those outfits where I'm kind of like, oh, that's sexy. And also, I bet that's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and she's got the art school fringe as well, which I quite enjoyed. I like the film. I just think it's a shame about the CGI being so bad. But that- oh, my God, the fucking... Oh, when he turns into a wolf. Yeah, oh, that, that I laughed out loud at that. Uh, just the sudden, <laughs> it's the fact that he goes, it's the sudden CGI wolf, but it's a very, very jerky motion. So, I mean, for all I know, I've never seen a man turn into a wolf. Sorry, guys, just putting that out there. You need to work on your technique, Emily. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> with the with the with the shit CGI and the three D and the dialogue, it did feel like I was in a very long cutscene for like a Dracula yeah. video game. Yeah, but I was like, I could be playing Castlevania, and the dialogue's better. <laughs> the dialogue's fucking awful in Castlevania, but it was just very—it just felt very. Three D flies were good though. Oh, the three D flies were good, weren't Ooh, they? Yeah, they were in your good. face. It, this, this film starts quite well because it's—it's <laughs> it's kind of like nicely lit and everything at the start, and then it just gets bollocky. Bollocky is my technical um, chin strokey. Yeah. Um, the bit where he fucks everyone up in the tavern's good. That that's big massacre. That's surprisingly like, whoa, okay, yeah. That's, Very um, throws the sword in your face. That actually made me blink in th- watching it in 3D. It's great. Well, <laughs> I was I was watching it in 2D, so maybe, yeah, I just, just think 3D Did you blink? Uh, I may have blinked at some <laughs> Several point. Several times. Sure. This film made me blink. <laughs> just having a long blink. <laughs> 20 minutes a long slow blink yeah. this film was so dry i blinked several times yeah no i like it but i suppose that brings us on to our second feature from 1975 argento's profondo rosso or deep red and you will kill again you're getting closer and closer to the most unnatural kind of death Beyond shock. What was that? Beyond horror into total terror. Murder runs wild. Blood runs cold. Deep red. The conjecture is that an act of bloodshed was once committed in that house. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you turn. Death is running with you. 
into deep shock. <laughs> uh, j- <laughs> I love it. Apparently so. A jazz musician witnesses the murder of a woman in Turin, but although he feels that he saw a huge clue at the crime scene, he can't quite remember what it was, and so reluctantly teams up with a flirtatious reporter to try and solve the case. Um, Emily, you chose this. Mm. Had you had you seen this one before? Yes. Um, what's interesting with this is that what the version I'd seen before was, I think, a Blu-ray version where they'd restored some scenes where you only had the mm. Italian soundtrack. So you had the mad thing of not only the kind of like people speaking English and dubbed into Italian, you also had that happening the other way as well. So it just kind of added to the air of unreality. Mm. Um, Whereas the version that I watched this time around was on Amazon Prime. The shorter version, basically. Slightly shorter. Yeah, it wasn't like Mm. the, there were two versions on there. They had like the two hour version and the 83 minute version. It wasn't that one. Mm -hmm. But I think the one that I saw that had the more bits of Italian dialogue was like a longer cut. And I think that was better. Um, but yeah. I've always found this film to be like a real sort of curate's egg in that there's some bits of it that are absolutely amazing and then there's other bits that are a little bit like, hmm. And then when you watch the shorter version... I've never seen a shorter cut and I wish I'd watched that version this time because I've found it a bit draggy. Mm. Oh. Go on, what's the problem? What's the problem, <laughs> CJ? What's the problem? I, I, for me, I mean, I know it is the most obvious choice. So to say it's... The greatest Jallo is is just like saying, you know, the Beatles are a bit good. Um, but I feel Deep Red is just astonishing. Like I think it gets the genre so perfect, and and as a piece of Argento's filmmaking, I think it's it's unique in his catalogue because it actually has warmth and humor and i think you can really tell that he was in love when he made it <laughs> and, and i love that it's got such a an energy to it that that's missing from every every one of his movies apart from this i think uh the, the scenes between uh david hemmings and daria nicolodi are, are just lovely like in the in the crappy little car that she's got when the, you know, there's so much nice romantic chemistry there that, that i think you don't get that in any other Argento film. They're usually very sort of, I don't know, not not entirely straight face, but just not warm like that. And I, and I enjoy that. And I also enjoy the just sheer audacity of that twist. Like yeah. to have the, the guts to just put the answer right there in front mm. of you at the very start of the movie, confident that nobody will know what it is, and then just reveal at the end, like, yep, it was there all along. You you saw it. First time I watched it, when that reveal at the end, it was absolute shivers down the spine moment. It's like, stunning. Absolutely yeah. freaked yeah. out, like fucking hell, all along. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Luke, best shallow ever. Uh, I would I would say so because there's a there's a few that I didn't like on here. Uh, like I said, I didn't like the psychic, and I didn't I didn't like I didn't like a bird in a crystal uh, plumage. Didn't like that one. Uh, but this one I thought was just amazing. Uh, it's refreshing to see killing scenes happen, but without having this gloomy, miserable soundtrack and just having jazz play over mm-hmm. the top of it. I think that makes it Goblin score it so incredible. perfect. Yeah. Oh, the soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. I mean, you heard in the, that just that little bit of trailer about three or four completely different bangers of um, <laughs> they've got yeah they are absolute non-stop bangers, bangers. <laughs> goblin bangers yeah. <laughs> that's either a band or very very niche porn <laughs> <laughs> yeah goblin bangers 7 is uh... <laughs> yeah sorry Luke you were saying yeah yeah I think it is great um, 
The one killing I've always found weird is the the desk part with the man getting his teeth mm. just smashed in loads of times because he he just happily has his mouth open for those parts <laughs> as, he's, as he's getting his teeth smashed out. But I think that's the only problem. I think the rest of it is great. So you think you think the bit immediately prior to that with the robot boy comes out of nowhere is <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah, perfect. It just makes total sense. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's the thing that's always weird. But then, yeah, just getting his teeth smashed out and happily to let it happen almost. It's, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I don't know what I think about that robot boy bit. It's obviously iconic. But what the fuck? <laughs> what are we going to make of it? Especially once you find out who the killer is. They made that, did they? <laughs> I bet I bet they got Lawrence, Dr. Lawrence Gordon to make it or something. I was going to yeah. say, there needs to be a sequel that explains everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, there, there should be sequels to all of these movies that are just about where they got all the props and the interior design from. And Definitely. Uh, <laughs> that, that might just be me that wants to watch those. Sarah, what do you think of it? Yeah, I love this one. Having said I hate everything in the 70s, I I love Deep Red. Um, I've tried to push Deep Red on so many people that I know. Um, My mum was here and complaining that she can always figure out the twist or who the killer is in any murder (laughs) mystery. And I was like, okay, (laughs) here you go. Have a go at this one. Um, She didn't get that, but she claimed that it was because she doesn't speak Italian, which I think is... (laughs) Not wow. really relevant to anything. Um, her, her conclusion on the film was quite good as well. I don't, I don't remember. She, what? she said there was, there was too much artsy fartsy in it for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, and I tried to give it to someone at work, but they're like, "Oh, I don't have a DVD player, so that didn't end well." Um, Millennials. Yeah, how dare they! <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love this film. I think it's great. And I love Dario Nicolodi's character. I think um, it kind of goes back to the thing you were saying about not knowing how progressive Argento's being sometimes. I can't mm. tell if you're meant to think she's awesome, but I do think she's awesome. She is. Yeah, she, she's totally awesome. What she's doing is is kind of what Margot Kidder did when she played Lois Lane in the uh, the 80s Superman. Mm. It's a very similar character. Yeah. And yeah, yes. I, I, I love both of them. I think um, she's great. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I've always really liked Deep Red, but I, I think just watching it straight after Four Flies, um, I found it lacking in comparison. I, I just don't think it's as tight a film, to be honest. And it's interesting how they both begin in the same way with like a jazz band rehearsal, followed by mm-hmm. you going through these red curtains into a theatre. Um, and of Argento's films that begin with a jazz band rehearsal and then point of view shot going through red curtains into a theater i prefer four flies now but and i didn't see that coming cool cool let's play scary noises <laughs> so here's your first pair of scary noises i'd like to see you in my shoes but i'll just play hi hi marie what's happening oh that nitwit he's always making mistakes Sometimes it's really embarrassing. CJ. The music is wacko? It's not wacko, but I know. I <laughs> say that. What? Um, dialogue. Do you want to take a punt on that? No. Okay. No. So, uh, Emily and Luke, both bits to get here. I'd like to see you in my shoes. Hi. Hi, Marie. What's happening? Oh, that nitwit. He's always making mistakes. Sometimes it's really embarrassing. Keeps giving me the old cripple's mail order. You know what kind of mail Rambanti gets? Swedish pornography. You wouldn't believe some of the positions. Four flies on grey velvet. 
Yeah, that's the dialogue. Did you get yep. the music? No. Uh, the music was the elephant's funeral in Santa Sangre. <laughs> <sighs> that's what an elephant's funeral march sounds like. Uh, number two, here you go. Good. Two pairs. Well done. Okay, it's luck. Just luck. No, it's not. Now it's your healer. All he needs is to be the kind. Wonderful. No, nothing. It sounds like Roger Rabbit. The the worst thing about this game is sometimes I just cannot distinguish the dialogue over the music to the point where I heard whatever the first line was there as lock it, schlock it, now it's your penis. Was that sung or was that sung or spoken? <laughs> spoken, spoken. Right, okay. You hear what you want to hear. Clearly. Honestly, play it again, you'll hear it. All right, lock, so what was it? Lock it, lock it, lock it. Lock it. Now, now it's your penis. <laughs> Go on. Do it. Go on. Good. Two pairs. Well done. Yeah, okay, it's luck. Just luck. Now it's not. Now it's your penis. Right, has anyone got anything? The dialogue sounds like the backwards talking guy from Twin Peaks saying, <laughs> Now it's your penis. I have good news. Now it's your penis. The music, oh no. The music's going to annoy me because it really rings the bell, but all that my brain can come up with is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is neither a Jallo nor a horror. animated Jallo. No. Okay, well, um, parcel that then. So the music was from The Happiness of the Katakuris. Oh! Of course it was. And the dialogue was from the card player. Oh, wow. <laughs> what does he actually say? <laughs> yeah, okay, it's luck. It's Just luck. Now it's luck. Now it's not. Now it's your healer. Oh, he needs... <laughs> Not a clue. It says, no, it's luck. Just, Just luck. luck. Now let's repeat it. Ah, excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. <laughs> Glad we got that settled. Uh, number three. I can't. I can't. I can't. What is it? What's wrong? So that's Luke. Oh, I don't know if I've got it right. Was the dialogue Black Christmas? Nope. It wasn't. Ah. I'm going to guess the music stalled. No. The dialogue's from Death House. It was, yes. Yeah, and the music, I can get this, but it's going to take me a little bit, but I want you to play it because it's fucking brilliant. What is it? What's wrong? His guard's here, but he's gone. Won't you come? Okay, okay. Now you stay put in that house. I'll wait for you. Please, hurry. I, I'm afraid. Now take it easy. I'm coming. Is it cats? You got it. <laughs> the, the visitor or the traveller or the... No, it's not that, no. No, but, but, but it's basically, it's the film with the stairs and you have no, the it's same not. stairs. No, you're thinking of the not? visitor. You're thinking of the visitor. It's not, it's Tenebrae. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, <sighs> so music was Tenebrae. The dialogue was Death House, a.k.a. Silent Night, Bloody Night. Here's number four. My name is Mila Harker. Yes, I know who you are. How did I get here? I found you lying unconscious on the path. The wolves? 
These forests can be very dangerous. I also recovered your horse. No. I mean, it's some kind of Dracula, but fuck knows Wolf's what. Forest. The Wolfman. Can I take a guess on the music? Yeah, go on. I think it could be House 3, the horror show. Nope. What, the music or the dialogue? The music, I thought it was House 3. Okay. I already forgot what the music sounded like. Uh, this is Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, what did, what did you say? I said... Are you going to have a go at the dialogue? No, because I just heard them say Mina Harker, which means it's some form of Dracula-related something, but there's yeah. about 200 Dracula is, adaptations. Is it Dracula Sucks? Is this a connection? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, got, I didn't recognise it any more specifically than that. Okay. It was, uh, the music was The Infernal Rapist, and the dialogue was from Dario Argento's Dracula. Oh, for oh, fuck's sake. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> Which I've actually seen, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, that film. Fuck it. If you've gone, ah, a grasshopper, then I might have guessed that that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> right, here's the fifth one. So I left some notes on the kitchen table with all her bits. Emily again. The dialogue is Saint Maud. Certainly is. And your clue for the music is um, it's a jalo. Oh, something kind of upbeat and adventury and really, really not jalloy at all. More kind of Indiana Jonesy in the two seconds that I heard. It's a jalo, just doesn't narrow it down. Could <laughs> we just name a jalo? Yeah, if you want to name one. All right. Um, what, a real one or just make one up? Um, <laughs> no. Um, made up jalo titles are the best. <laughs> Um, bird with the crystal plumage. It's not, but as you mention it. Mrs. Johnson. Mrs. Johnson. Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> it wasn't that. So can you get the music, Brian and Hannah? So I left some notes on the kitchen table with all her bits. She's a maid coming over tomorrow. Trying to grow the sauce. Got to start her on a new course of cloud shots, so she's got one of those every evening before dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, your bedroom's upstairs on the left. Her Majesty's in there having enough. How is she? Bit of a cunt. <laughs> I don't know it, but it really sounds like someone should be like walking purposefully to it in a cape. I'm super bad at knowing what the actual Jallo titles are. Sorry. All right. Okay. Um... The, the answer was Jallo. Oh, you... Shut up! You, oh. you can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then that's, that's... No, that's not fair. What, what do you mean it's not fair? Because Jallo's not a proper Jallo. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it's a Jallo, question mark. It's a Jallo. Yeah. The clues were all there. Right, number six. I think I've identified this person as a textbook sociopath. It seems to be a prerequisite for getting into college in the first place. Still, this girl has no concept of reality or the difference between right and wrong. Girl. Hmm. Yes, CJ. Oh, no, no, I, I, uh, I misfired. I thought the dialogue was... <laughs> I thought the dialogue was Jennifer's body, but... It's not. Because I was, I, was, I was going down the same route of what I just did, and I was thinking, what if the dialogue is from Jennifer's body... And then the music is from What Are Those Strange Strange Drops of Blood Doing on Jennifer's Body? body. And then I was like, bang, that was genius. And then I realised that I was just so wrong. wrong. (laughs) That's another great Jello title, though, isn't it? What Those Strange Drops of Blood Doing on Jennifer's Body, yeah. Um, So did Hull take the the title Jennifer's Body from that film? And then Jennifer's Body, the film, uh, took that title from the Hull song or from the Jello? I imagine Hole just took it from, like, literally the words, Jennifer's body. 
Just the I mean, there are, ma- there are many Jennifers in the world, and they, they mostly have bodies, so... <laughs> <laughs> Unless, unless you know of some that don't. Uh, right. Um, so where did we get with that? You didn't get anything from that, did you? No. So it's Emily and Luke to identify music and dialogue. I think I've identified this person as a textbook sociopath. It seems to be a prerequisite for getting into college in the first place. Yeah, tell me about it. Still, this girl has no concept of reality or the difference between right or wrong. Girl. Hmm. The plot thickens. Yeah, she's obsessed with becoming your teaching assistant next semester. Uh, the music was the bird with the crystal plumage and the dialogue was from American Psycho 2 all American girl Uh, I thought it was that why did you say it Luke why did you say it yeah I wasn't sure I wasn't Uh. I wasn't sure if we were going to pick pick uh, something that bad (laughs) (laughs) you know what I think it's better than American Psycho oh Well, that was fun, wasn't it? We'll be back in about a week's time with episode 81. More Argento, more scary noises, more Devil Times 5 horror podcast.